Welcome to Bible study today. Some of you may know and others may not know that this is a panel discussion from a certain uh, section of scripture on a certain subject. And this particular time of the year, we're dealing with making friends for God. And today we're talking about spiritual gifts. And we know that this is a subject which is special for many of you. We're also very grateful for the feedback that you give. And if you have feedback, uh, you can either call the station or even better, the phone next number, which is 0401-305-077. I'll repeat that, 0401-305-077. Now I'd like to introduce the panel members to you. Of course, I'm Len. And Nick, would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Len. Yes, uh, uh, good to be here with you, Len, and uh, the rest of the team. And uh, Brenton. Yes, it's uh, lovely to be um, on the program and to be able to share God's word. I believe as we share week by week, uh, we are growing ourselves, and today's topic is a very important one. And we're also very pleased to have Will. Again, a privilege for me, Len. Thank you very much. And Lydia? I feel very privileged, very blessed to have Bible study. I'm growing in God's Word. I'm growing spiritually. Yes, and I'm sure as you listen to these programs, you too will grow in your knowledge of God's Word. Our facilitator today is Helen. So welcome today, Helen, and it's over to you. Thank you, Len, very much. I echo all the sentiments of all the panel today. It is a delight to be here. And yes, um, Brenton and Lydia, I agree that we are all growing with the listener today. And I just praise God for that. And as Len, you have said, this week's study surveys the topic of spiritual gifts in the Bible. I've had many people say to me, I've got no gifts, no spiritual gifts, or how do I know what my spiritual gifts are and um, what are they? What, what do spiritual gifts mean anyway? So we're going to explore some of that today, and I hope that you gain richly from that. But before we commence, this is such an important Bible study. All our studies are, but I feel this is really important. And, uh, Will, I'm going to ask you, would you please start off with prayer for us? Dear Heavenly Father, with the important commission before us of sharing the good news, good news of salvation with all, we confess our weakness and the strong sense of our need. We know that we can never be effective while uh, so inadequately equipped in ourselves, but we know that what we lack, you know what we lack. And uh, we uh, you claim your assurance that your requests for service will be accompanied by a spirit-filled enabling. And we ask for that enabling today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's very interesting that uh, when a person becomes a Christian and follows Jesus, they are given gifts by the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding and edification of the church. Paul had major difficulties with the Corinthian church over the issue of spiritual gifts, which is the subject that we're going to look at amongst others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant of spiritual gifts. What does he mean by this? 
the suggestion to me would be that if he thinks they're ignorant, it seems to me that A, they have spiritual gifts and maybe they're using them, but B, maybe they're using them perhaps haphazardly rather than in a unified manner and possibly they're using them with some of them believing that their gifts are superior to the gifts that others have been given. And what Paul is trying to show in 1 Corinthians, in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Romans, is trying to demonstrate the purpose of spiritual gifts. So I think it's a good place, Helen, for us to start with our study as to why God gave these spiritual gifts to us. What use are they today in 2020? Because if we don't understand that, we don't understand this vitally important topic. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to personally thank Paul, even though I don't <laughs> can't <laughs> do that, for making this comment, I would not have you ignorant of spiritual gifts. And I believe we will learn a lot more as we study it. Well, I think we have a bit of an example with this. When Jesus walked this earth, he had some uh, disciples who followed him and many of those disciples were ignorant sort of people. I don't mean that in a nasty way. They were not well educated. They were of what you would say the peasant class of society back then. And yet God used these people to what we termed last week, turn the world upside down. They were not naturally equipped to do what they eventually did. But the Lord gave them those gifts and the gospel message grew very rapidly. Well, the the number of adherents grew very rapidly. Thank you very much, Len. Yes. Well, I'd like to go back to the basic, the very basic question. So, panel, I'm going to ask if you can help to answer some of these questions regarding spiritual gifts. To start with, what are spiritual gifts? Can we have um, some comments, please? Yes, well, spiritual gifts are things that are used to grow the church, to bring people to Christ that um, people don't naturally possess. For example, I'm not a particularly good singer. The reason is that I got Lyme's disease a few years ago and it's affected my voice. But should God want me to sing something in order to help somebody realise that they can be saved, God would give me that gift if he so desired. Uh, I would like to say this, that spiritual gifts are not given for one's own self. They are given for the purpose of building the church. Before I finish, I want to share something really interesting. My wife and I, uh, in the morning, before we have breakfast, have a time of worship together. And yesterday we read this. What matters is that you become a gate to the city, using your gifts to invite the world into a saving relationship with Christ. You've not been asked to surrender your identity to become a carbon copy of someone else because God intends to use you to serve as an access point to the kingdom for someone else. To be sure, Christ is the only way to the Father, but God uses many different people and gifts as an introduction 
to Jesus. And I thought that was really nice. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lynn. Well, my next question, which I've been asked too about spiritual gifts, do they differ from natural talents? Yes, uh, Helen, every talent uh, we have is God-given. And spiritual gifts, however, are different from natural talents in two distinct ways. Firstly, in the way they are used. And secondly, where they are used. The motivation for natural talents may sometime, you know, be for self-glorifying. Uh, um, but the motivation of using the spiritual gifts is for uh, the glory of God. Now, saying that... Um, God uh, gave all of us spiritual gifts, and um, it's important for us to identify them, to know, and to ask God actually to empower us to put at work those uh, gifts, because God doesn't want us just to do something which we are not um, aligned, to say so, with with His will. God will uh, will provide and would like us to also be aware of the, those gifts. Now, talents also, we can have natural talents, and that can be used for the glory of God, no question of, uh, about that. But there are some natural talents which you may not be able to use it, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, in that context. Um, and, yeah, we can, we can uh, still... Maybe during the program we can uh, mention again some of the natural uh, talents and the gifts uh, which God uh, gave us all. Following on what uh, Nick has said, imagine if I uh, thought that a voice of praise in a specific little church would much be enhanced by uh, a capable musician playing the piano while people sing hymns and praise. At the same time, thinking of of a young person who has been wanting to serve God in some way, but has not yet found a ministry opportunity. To top it all, this young man or woman is an accomplished musician. If I approached that young person and asked if they would express their talent, play for the church, creating a vibrant worship atmosphere, that would be most certainly a blessing to the members. Then if that young believer prayed about it and decided to be of service, imagine... Now, I'd like to ask, am I inviting just a talent into the Lord's work? And if so, when does that talent become a spiritual gift to draw souls to the Saviour? Did you want to answer that question or do you want us to answer the question, Will? Well, perhaps it would be good just to comment on it as a, as a panel just quickly. Well, I would like to suggest that somebody may have some sort of a natural talent but it's not fully developed. And I believe that God can actually give a spiritual gift on the back of a natural talent. And I think I've experienced that in my own life, where in sharing God's word with many people, I feel like I have developed and grown myself. So I think you can't exactly separate natural talents and spiritual gifts. But, of course, it is very distinct with some people. Can I suggest that we're going to come to this a little bit further on when we look at the book of Ephesians in chapter 4? But uh, verse 13 talks about the perfecting of the saints. 
Spiritual gifts are given for the perfecting of the saints. The Greek word is katatismos, and it means to mend. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 6, I think it is, it's referring to mending of nets. It's also referring to equipping. So spiritual gifts, it seems, are given for a number of reasons, but one of the primary ones is for not only equipping us for service, but also um, it's important for perfecting our characters. And the way that that goes about is by service to others. When we serve others, our characters are actually being developed. And I think that that's a very important point, Helen, in our discussion on why spiritual gifts are given. Thank you. Thank you. My next question for the panel, though, is um, who receives spiritual gifts? I think spiritual gifts are promised to each one who commits his or her life to Christ. And discussing spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says that all these, all these spiritual gifts that are mentioned above, for example, wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of languages, interpretation of languages. So all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And uh, I know, and even every one of us can say this, that when we commit our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit imparts the gifts for witness and service. And according to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit does not impart the same gifts to everyone, but he does impart gifts to each believer. He does not overlook one individual. Each believer shares in the gifts of the Spirit. To every person is committed some peculiar gift or talent which is to be used to advance the Redeemer's kingdom. And I do believe that as I consecrate myself to God and dedicate my life to, to His service, my possibilities to serve are endless. So there is no limit to the useful of one who putting aside self makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. Mm. Thank you, Lydia. That's one of my favourite, very favourite quotes Mm. that you've just um, shared. I was just going to to continue on that um, aspect. Uh, You know, spiritual gifts, they are for the benefit of others. That's very interesting, you know, for the benefit of others. We are here to grow together, to grow the kingdom of God. Now, when we talk about natural talents, you know, unfortunately, I mean, how to say this in a nice way, but we as simple beings, you know, we have tendency of um, uh, bringing up, you know, bringing up our talents, you know, and uh, show people what we are capable of certain things. And that can be a little bit self-glorifying. doesn't mean that a, a talented person 
doesn't have anything to do with uh, with his talent into serving God. Of course, you can. But when God places in our life a spiritual gift, we need to be aware of that one and put it in practice because God may want us to be a very hospitalier person. But we may have a talent of singing also. And we may put too much emphasis on singing and doing all those things and forgetting the fact that God wants us to receive uh, guests or to maybe we are good on that one. You you see the difference here? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we want to do the things which other people are doing because we think that we can be even better than them on that one. God knows each one of us what role to play, to be part of that body, which we may talk about that, you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, the completeness of God's church. Thank you, Nick. Yes, very I'd well like to, put. I'd like to share a story which illustrates this very point. I might have mentioned this before, but it bears um, hearing again. Some years ago, there was a group of pastors from Australia here who decided they would like to go to a remote area of Papua New Guinea and bring the gospel to these heathen people. So they did. They took picture rolls and various things. They got an interpreter and all these were ministers, all right? They already had a gift for preaching, but they didn't have a gift of language. And so the interpreter was preaching. And after after about the second or third night, the people said to the interpreter, why are you interpreting? We are hearing these Australian people in our own language. There were quite a number of people uh, brought to Jesus Christ as a result of that mission effort. So these ministers came back to Australia and they couldn't speak a word of that remote Papua New New Guinean area. So this here, God gave the gift of speaking in another language solely for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. Mm. Uh, Thank you, Len. I'm reminded of a similar incident um, here in South Australia. Uh, Many years ago, I deal or I work, not deal, I work with the deaf um, or hearing impaired and um, a gentleman wanted to run some Bible studies for the hearing impaired and um, that suggests that there's something wrong of course with the ears and he wanted me to come along because I had I have um, had experience with sign language when we got there um, we spoke to the gentleman it was uh, only two of us could fit in the room as we're talking and and explaining why we're there and he stopped us mid-sentence and he pointed to my friend and he said you pray and he pointed to me and he said you sign And I said, I can't. And he said, again, you pray, you sign. And I said, I don't know any language, any sign language for anything to do with the Bible or God, or I don't even know the sign for Jesus at that time. And um, this man got quite irate and he was getting quite, you know, carried away with you pray, you sign, you pray, you sign. And in the end, my friend said, "Um, you better sign. I said, well, you better pray. And we knelt down to pray, and it was the most incredible experience, one of the most incredible experiences I've had in my life. And when we had finished, he was praying, I was signing. I had no idea what I was signing. 
And when we'd finished, I asked him, signed to him, did you understand what I signed? He, he said, yes. I said, write down for me what I signed. And I had signed the signs for Jesus, for heaven, for blessings, for the Holy Spirit, for angels. I was just blown away. And um, he signed up to come to our, our meetings, you know, that we wanted to help people to understand um, who Jesus really is and what scripture is all about. And he faithfully came. And it was just, uh, we got out to the car. And like what you were saying, Len, my husband said to me, he said, well, what's the sign for heaven? I said, I do not have any idea. And that's just an amazing way that God uses us to spread the Bible. But, you know, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, plural. So that obviously means that there definitely is more than one. And uh, I actually believe that everyone that comes to Christ is given a gift. And so we all have a gift, a gift of faith. And sometimes we get stronger in that. But I'd really like to ask again, does the Bible give us a list of what some of those spiritual gifts are? Helen, yes. Um, I'd like to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 12. Um, It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish or discernment between spirits and other various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues Verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Mm. I I see here that uh, the members of the church may have different gifts, But each one is valuable. Each one is critical to the healthy functioning of the body of Christ or the church. Just as we will see a little later, the eyes and the ears and the nose have different functions on the body, but are necessary to the body. Mm. So all gifts are necessary as well in the body of the church. I made a comment to Brenton this morning when we started on the Zoom. We could only see you know, literally the top of his head. And so um, (laughs) I'm glad nobody can see you getting embarrassed there, Brenton. Len suggested that he had more to him than just the top of his head. And I made a comment that about the eyelashes. You might remember, Brenton. And um, I said, you know, your eyelashes are important. And Brenton says, well, how? Well, you know, if if we didn't have our eyelashes, we would have, dust particles that would blur our vision and the resulting consequences could potentially cause irreparable damage, you know. And so in the same way, all the members of the church who seem the most insignificant, is they are essential parts of the body of Christ. 
and has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. And so when we dedicate our gifts totally to God, each one of us can make an eternal difference. This begs the question, and I believe it's been partly covered by the previous two comments, what would happen, say, in a Christian group, we'll say a church, if just about everybody had the same gift? Let's say, for example, music. Everybody had the gift of music to be able to bring beautiful music to the church. What would happen? Would that church be a mature church, mature in the sense of fully developed? Well, I don't think it would because if everybody is musical and nobody is preaching the word or nobody has the gift of uh, hospitality or something like that, the church would be uh, immature, incomplete. The gifts that are given are not just to bring people to the gospel or to bring people to Christ, but they are to perfect, if I can use that word, the church so it is a mature body. Thank you, Lynn. I'm thinking of the word balance. You know, if there's parts missing, you know, you think of a car and you're missing one wheel, it's going to be totally out of balance, isn't it? And I believe it could well be the same, you know, if you devalue someone's gift that God has given. He has given the gifts and he knows what's best for the church and and for the spreading of his gospel to his honour and glory. And if we cut someone out, it will be unbalanced to what God actually wants. Helen, we had in that list of gifts, uh, there was mention in those texts of the gift of tongues And I wonder if I may just make a comment on the gift of tongues. I've heard many preachers make the gift of tongues the primary emphasis of their preaching. They would have us think that a Christian who does not speak in tongues is lacking somehow second class. I've even been told that I haven't received, if I haven't received the gift of tongues, my conversion would be in question. But I'd like us to note that Paul makes it clear that There are different gifts, and they are given to different people. No one is expected to have all of the gifts mentioned. In fact, he asks in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 29 and 30, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer is obviously no. I'd like to just point out that uh, of the 50 examples in the Bible where God filled his people with the Holy Spirit, only three is tongues connected with that experience. Mm. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Will. In the First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 to 22, it says, but in fact... God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable 
and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need to, no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but it, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. We, we know, as we read here, that uh, God needs everybody. God needs all the people, and the Holy Spirit imparts gifts to everybody. So even if people are different, as the disciples were, different backgrounds, different personalities, temperaments, and the, the gifts are in very much variety. And uh, I want to say that the person who seems the most insignificant is an essential part of the body of Christ and uh, has been gift, uh, gifted by the Holy Spirit. And as we dedicate these gifts totally to God, each one, of us can make an eternal difference. Mm. Thank you well, so, so much. Helen brought up the issue about different parts in terms of a car. Paul brought it up in terms of a human body or even an animal's body, I suppose. He didn't actually say human or animal, but that doesn't really matter much. You think about a watch, just take out one part like take out one of the hands. Well, the watch isn't very effective or take out the spring or take out the battery. It just doesn't work. But I want to just bring up a, a rather interesting issue. Sometimes we have people in church groups who are very difficult people to get on with. What spiritual gifts can be used in the case of where somebody is in opposition to basically everything. Any ideas? Helen, I was just uh, going to say something uh, before that um, will be different, but uh, also I think it will uh, go uh, well along with what you just asked. First of all, spiritual gifts are not for ourselves, are for others. I want to emphasize that again. And what Will was just saying, uh, giving those uh, examples, you know, with the speaking in tongues and all others, or when people say, if you don't have that uh, gift, uh, then uh, your uh, salvation may be even questionable, and all other things. Nothing in regard to the spiritual gifts are for ourselves. They are for others, exactly like the members of the body. The hand cannot pat itself. The hand can pat maybe the other hand, you know, or the other part of the body. Um, we need each one of us to be uh, help, if you like, or uh, support for the other members of the body. And in that context, which you just said, Len, if we are dealing with people, even by, uh, even by thinking of there are difficult people, it can make um, uh, in ourselves, in our mind, a questionable attitude. We should always look at others the best we can, as Jesus did. Jesus looked at all 
those people in the best way. He never thought, okay, you guys, you are uh, a bit, um, you know, too difficult, or you guys, you are a bit, even those difficult people among the disciples, like uh, Peter, like uh, John and James and others, you know, Jesus, look for the best in them and try to assist them with what they need for that change if it's needed. But never look down at them. And that's the, one of the problems which we may encounter and have in our days by um, being judgmental. Okay, well, I would like to suggest that sometimes we may need spiritual gifts in situations like that. For example, the gift of tolerance, the gift of acceptance, which are not mentioned in that list that was read a little earlier. And that, I believe, is also for the edification of others. Thank you, Lynn. I believe there are other texts that do talk about some of the gifts. There are, Helen. Um, Will has touched on part of First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 to 31, so I'm not going to repeat that other than to read verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. <laughs> what is interesting, and we will be touching on this, um, Helen, a little bit further as we read more texts, so I'm not going to try and steal anyone else's thunder, but one thing is obvious here. When you look at the gifts given in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts given in Romans 12, the gifts given in Ephesians chapter 4, there seems to be the way Paul has set them out to be a natural order. It always starts with gifts of proclamation, such as prophecy, teaching, preaching, if you look at and compare all three sets of gifts, you'll find it starts out that way. And in some of the other comments, which we'll get to a bit later, what you find is a natural progression. You find the giving of the gospel through uh, being a pastor, through an apostle, through preaching and teaching. But then you have gifts like exhortation, liberality, hospitality, and things like that. In other words, once the person has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, they find their place in the body of Christ. And this would suggest to me that not everyone has been given the gift of proclaiming the gospel. Some are given the gift of stabilising those who have come to know Christ. The gift of exhortation is to encourage people, not only those who have been in the church a long time, but those who have only recently come to the Lord. The gift of liberality, the gift of hospitality can be used both within the church but also outside of the church. And I think there's a natural progression here. I don't think it's coincidental. I believe the way Paul is doing it is the way God would have it to be. Proclaim the gospel, bring them in, stabilise them, settle them, help to perfect them. Thank you so much, Brenton. Appreciate that. All right, well, I'm going to read a passage now from the book of Ephesians, verses 11 through to 13. And it says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach maturity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Now here I believe we see a third reason why we receive the gifts of the Spirit. One of the reasons, of course, is to reach others with the gospel. Second one is to develop or build up a mature church. Now the third one is mentioned here is to prepare people for service. So here we have those three reasons, to reach others for the gospel, to develop a mature church, and to prepare people for service. And all for the glory of God. Yes. Um, so uh, I observed here that as Len was reading and commenting that God is the originator of all gifts and every perfect gift comes from him. So he will impart to us the very gifts of the Holy Spirit that are best suited to our personalities and he will best use our skills to serve his cause and glorify his name. Amen to that. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yes, and um, further on, um, in Romans, in chapter um, 12, verses 6 to 8, also we can read things similar which you already mentioned, Brenton and Len, and it's saying here, having done gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us then, if prophesy, let us prophesy in proportion with our faith. Or ministry, let us uh, uh, use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with carefulness. And what I learned also from this passage is that Sometimes we can excuse ourselves and say, as Len was mentioning, uh, I mean, if we have the gift of, um, I will say again, uh, hospitality, we may say, look, I already did that quite a while. You know, I mean, somebody else should do that. You know, I mean, uh, I I did it twice. I did it this uh, so many times. I mean, somebody else should do it. If you have that gift, of hospitality, then do it with all your heart and don't look at uh, uh, at others and just try to excuse yourself or just wishing that you could do some other things which other people are doing instead of doing the, the ones which God asked you to do. And I think this is where the problem starts with the, with the members in our body. If the members of our body will start to complain, uh, uh, you know, and say, oh, why should I do this? You know, why I, you know, why not the ice uh, make my body move, you know, on the, on the streets or some other things? You know, we are put there in the place for a special reason because God knows us where we are good at and God knows what we need also in reverse. Because when we give to others, actually we are building ourselves. Thank you, Nick. I was interested listening to you, you know, about sometimes we make excuses and just briefly I'd like to share an episode that happened to me when I, I started in the teaching game. I I grew up with a terrible inferiority complex and um, even though I would get some fairly good um, feedback from the students, I still felt others could do a lot better job. And um, 
one day my boss had come in and I'd say to her, she'd ask me to go out and be seconded out to TAFE or somewhere else, and I'd say, oh, look, so-and-so can do a better job. And I had a habit of doing that. And one day she walked in, and by the way, this boss was an atheist, and she said, if there is a God, she's not doing a good job. That sort of was her language. She walked into the staff room one day, asked me to, to go and, and teach somewhere, and they be seconded out. And I immediately went into my spiel about so-and-so, you know, and she stood there, looked me in the eye, and she said, when are you going to realise that your God has given you a gift of teaching? And I tell you, I felt like she'd thrown a bucket of ice-cold water over me, and she just stormed on her heel and went out. And I actually dropped to my knees in the staff room. I was so shocked, and I apologised to God. And um, from then on, I've acknowledged it's his gift. Absolutely. I stopped making excuses and he's blessed them. And so thank you for, you know, bringing that in so I could share that. Mm. Okay. I think. What I have to say now, I'm saying very lightheartedly. I'm not being very serious, but I think in conjunction with what Nick had to say and what you were saying there, Helen, when somebody uh, says, well, I'm not good enough to do that, somebody else should do it. Maybe they have the gift of delegation. <laughs> I like that, Lynn. <laughs> okay, we got the picture, Lynn. We got the picture. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Look, I was interested. We're doing a, a study on the sanctuary at Birdwood in South Australia, and um, we were looking at the candlestick last week and how it was how it was crafted. It's just amazing from one talent of gold. It was beaten in one play, you know, and the craftsman, um, Bilal, I think his name was, something like that, he had been given this gift from God. What an amazing gift. So it could include craftsmanship. It can include intercessory prayer, artistic communication and hospitality. And I think we're fairly clear um, who chooses the gift. Is it us? I think it becomes quite totally clear that God chooses those gifts that uh, he should be giving to uh, whoever he wills. Um, may I just say that today is our four-year-old grandson's birthday. And uh, he wanted to speak to us early this morning already on FaceTime. And boy, he's carried around to show us some of the toys that he has received. You see, we had asked him a little earlier in the week what he wanted for his birthday. Now, uh, I'm wondering, would two big chocolate cakes with a whole packet of sprinkles be a wise choice, according to his request? <laughs> Clearly, the final decision really lies with us. We know uh, what little parcel we're going to take to him this afternoon. Um, that will bring him the greatest joy and the greatest good. You know, the Holy Spirit knows what gifts to impart to each believer. And um, what gifts would best glorify Jesus in his or her life? And it's the Holy Spirit that distributes his gifts to believers, knows what each one of their capacities are. The Holy Spirit knows the real needs existing in the experience of each individual. In fact, he knows what the real needs are in the church community. And all this is based on his supreme knowledge and understanding of each one of his children and each of his church communities. Thank you very much, Will. There is a text in James 1, 5, 
where it says that um, the Holy Spirit gives uh, generously to all without finding fault. So it says, ask God. First, you have to ask. Ask God and that um, he will give you generously to all without finding fault. And in Matthew um, chapter 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So we receive the gifts of the Spirit as we consecrate ourselves to God and ask him to reveal us the gifts he has given to us. Oh, thank you for that, Lydia. Yes. I guess to some people, discovering their spiritual gifts is a bit like an obstacle course, really. You know, how do we go about it? And as you say, God and the Holy Spirit um, works in and through us. Um, I was reading the other day about a um, problems that some people feel that they run into through the day. And somebody said, you haven't tackled the beast. And that's the world's largest obstacle course. In 2018, a Belgian company connected several of these courses together to create a 1,625-foot-long world record mega obstacle course. Huge. And it features 60 challenges and takes about 10 minutes to run, climb and crawl through toward the finish line. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, you might think discovering your spiritual gifts is a little bit like running through an obstacle course like that. Paul wrote about spiritual gifts. He began by encouraging us in the book of Romans. All right, uh, let's look again in uh, in the book of um, Romans, chapter 12, and this time verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think this is a very beautiful passage of the Bible because the tendency of us all is to be influenced and affected by what's going on in this world, even for the good or for the bad. But either either way, either way, our uh, destiny, to say so, as you know, Abraham uh, taught, you know, our goal. Is not about this world. We are just peregrines on this uh, earth. We are for a better destiny. We are for a better world. And uh, not to say that we need to be ignorant or neglectful in any ways living on this earth, but we should have priorities and not to be conformed, as the passage says, with this world. And how much, even a situation like in which we are with the coronavirus, how much that can afflict or impact our lives. We may not even be able to realize that, how much that can affect us in our spiritual journey. And may God help us to really understand and to have our eyes fixed upon Jesus and his will. Thank you, Nick. Well summed up. You know, but at the same token, the Lord might want us to do a new thing, and that can be pretty scary. Mm. I think each one of us, Helen and uh, panel, um, when we consider spiritual gifts, when we think of the enormous task of uh, sharing to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we may uh, be daunted by it all. We may feel overwhelmed by the challenge. 
But you know, God, who provides the power and the gifts, yes. uh, offers to each one of us the uh, our little slot in the great work of God. In fact, uh, in Isaiah 43, verse 19, he says to Isaiah, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I think of Gideon, uh, Helen. Gideon, when he replied, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. But when faced with a seemingly impossible obstacle, God has an assuring word for uh, Gideon. And in verse uh, 16 of Judges 6, he says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. What an amazing uh, assurance that though we feel totally inadequate, though we feel totally unequipped, there is a God in heaven that will supply to us everything needed to advance his work and to bless us individually. Well, thank you, Will. I think finishing on, on what you just said, when God told Gideon he would be with him, God has told each one of us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Yes. It was mentioned last week, and I'm going to bring it up again because it's a really good example. Moses was called by God to go and lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses made excuses. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm not a very good speaker. The Lord still wanted him to go. So he made a way possible. He said, you take your brother Aaron, who obviously was... Uh, better with words. Maybe Moses had a stutter or something like that. I don't know. But uh, the Lord used Moses in a very mighty way. And he made it possible for him to be able to do what he was called to do. And I feel sometimes that when we're asked to do something that we are inexperienced with, we should have the um, attitude of the prophet Isaiah because God was looking for somebody to deliver some messages to the Israelites. And Isaiah said, well, here am I, send me. And I think when we commit ourselves to God and to his service, even if we're asked to do something which is out of our comfort zone, if we just say, well, Lord, you've asked me to do it, but I don't know how to do it, You empower me, which means giving of a spiritual gift, and it'll be okay. That's a great example. Moses encourages me, as I said, suffering from Moses' inadequacy syndrome, and I saw what happened to him when he gave his life to the Lord. I think that's such an encouragement for all of us. Okay. So God gives spiritual gifts, abilities, and talents that are imparted by the Holy Spirit to each believer, to serve him effectively. So ministries are the general areas we can express our gifts in and activities are the specific events that allow us to use our gifts. So spiritual gifts do not come fully developed. As the Holy Spirit impresses you with some area of services, pray that he will lead you to specific ministries, 
to exercise your gift through an outreach activities. So we know and we discussed already that the gifts that God gives us are to honor him for his glory, not for our own, and to exalt his name and advance his cause. Thank you so much. That's true. We need to keep remembering, as we've said many times, listener, that gifts are not given to lift ourselves up or to be used for our own benefit, but to follow Christ's example. Just a quick uh, comment uh, on this, uh, reflecting on my own personal experience. When we were married, Lurlene and I, this was within the first two months of us being married, I remember we were invited to preach at Port Augusta. Now, I had never preached a sermon in my life, and it's one thing when you have to go and preach. Uh, Len, for instance, probably doesn't have far to go to his church to be able to take part. Likewise, Will and um, Lydia and um, also you, Helen. But when you've got three hours of driving, you've got three hours to have Belshazzar's knees in. Um, where you go over and over and over your sermon in your head, wondering whether you've got it right or not. I can still remember to this day exactly what subject I preached on that day, but I can re distinctly remember that when I got up, I felt very uncomfortable. There were 18 people present in the church that day. And at the end of it, a number of people complimented me on the sermon, but the important point for me was that I believed that God was with me. I'd had three hours to think about it, and the more I thought about it, it is possible, I think, even the spiritual gifts to overthink them. I think if God has given you a gift, someone mentioned just earlier on that Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. When God said, who, who will go and who will be sent, he said, here am I, send me. I think if we have that humble attitude, we will always be balanced. We'll always be balanced in what we present and the outcomes, the way that it affects the church body, I think is vitally important because our contribution is invaluable, just the same as everybody else's is. And I think, I think it helps to ground us. Thank you so much, Brenton. I just wish we had some more time. I could share with a story with you when God called me to preach and how someone put discouragement into and doubts in my mind and he showed me without a shadow of a doubt where I was supposed to be. Haven't got time on that one, but I think there might be one more text that I'd like yes. to have you share. Mark 10.45, who would? I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to share with you a, a story. It's really kind of a joke. There was this guy with a really bad stutter and he wanted to do something for the Lord. He didn't know what he could do. He thought, well, I might be able to sell Bibles. And uh, he went and got a Bible and the people thought who supplied the Bible, the book and Bible house said, mm, don't know if he can do anything. Anyhow, he went out and in a matter of minutes he was back again. He said, I've sold the Bible and I'm trying to shorten this story. Uh, can I have some more? So they gave him half a dozen. It wasn't very long. He was back again. He said, can I have some more Bibles? So this time they gave him a whole box full. And uh, yeah, it wasn't very long and he was back again. Well, they, they thought this was curious. How could this man sell Bibles so effectively? And they said, what do you say when you go to the door? And he said, w w w w would you l l l like to... B buy a b 
the Bible or sh shall I r read it to you? All right, I just want to inject a bit of humour here. They all, but, all bought a Bible. <laughs> yes. Mark chapter 11, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The whole thing, and we've touched on this all through this program today, the whole thing is spiritual gifts are given for the benefit of others. Okay, just wrapping up because we've run out of time. It's been a great study today. Um, we did title the, the study Unlimited Possibilities, and I thought, well, that's a very apt name for our study as we consecrate ourselves to God and dedicate our lives to his service. Our possibilities to serve, oh, they're endless. I very much concur with the quote that Lydia started off with, and let me share it with you again, because I have personally endeavoured to follow that counsel and have watched the Holy Spirit open many, many doors on my journey. It says there is no limit to the usefulness of one who, putting aside self, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. So, listener, as you seek to serve the Lord, pray fervently, step forward humbly, and believe God will open the way. And if God brings you to it, he will certainly see you through it. Brendan, would you like to finish with prayer for us? Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us gifts, uh, spiritual gifts to use for two purposes, to use for the upbuilding of your body here on earth, the church, and also to bring honour and glory to your name. Lord, help us always to remember that these gifts are sacred trusts. They are given to us for the benefit of others. Lord, I pray one thing for all of us, both as a panel and those who listen to this program. I pray that God will show us ways in which we can be useful in reaching out to our community, particularly in this time of COVID-19 when there's so much, so much hopelessness and despair in society, help us to share with others that Jesus is coming again soon. And may we be equipped with the gifts to place hope, comfort and encouragement in the heart of those that we meet this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for today, folk. We're glad you joined us, and we hope that um, this study, this discussion that we had today, will help you understand the issue of spiritual gifts a lot better. So until next time, we wish you God's blessing, and we hope you will join us again. <laughs>